Welcome to Poets and Writers. This is Henry McCarthy, WEHC 90.7, coming to you from the beautiful Emory and Henry College campus. And we've got a great guest for you today. We've got a fellow poet who started out in Virginia, and she's been all over the world, and she has a great book out, a number of books. And so, as we like to say on Poets and Writers, we write poems in our hearts every day, but we're often afraid to share them. So, Aiden Thayer, and I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Exactly right. We have Aiden Thera on, Thayer on the show today. And uh, as we like to ask around the mountain, where are you from, Aiden? I was born in Connecticut, and I grew up in Virginia, in Lynchburg, Virginia. Spent some years in my, uh, North Carolina, and now I live in Massachusetts. Well, and uh, how about a little gossip about where you grow up? Do you care to share any of that, or...? How that developed there, I'm, I'm be, having a little bit of humor here today, but because, you know, is when we ask you around here where you're from, you know, we like some great stories. But you started out and lived there and went to high school there, right? Did. I did. And I would say that if I was going to talk about my hometown, it wouldn't sound like gossip because uh, some of the poems in my book are about growing up in a Jim Crow system without seeing it or knowing it and then becoming intensively involved when uh, my high school was integrated. I was part of that sort of the process of students actively involved in that. Right, in and way. this would have been in the 60s, 60s. right? Mm -hmm. And so that, and then you went on, after you left high school and so on, you went on to school up north? Or? I went to school up north, then I came back south and got a social work degree, and then I worked as a therapist for many, many, many years. And then I began a new career doing peace building in uh, Central Africa. Oh my goodness, how long were you in Africa? I never lived there, but I've gone back and forth many, many times the last 20 years to Rwanda and Burundi and Congo. They're all neighbors to each other. And what did you do there? Talk a little bit about that. Uh, it's called peace building. I did um, work with women's groups in Rwanda. Women were really urged into leadership, but they had never been before. And so they didn't, like they didn't have computer skills kind of thing, but they also didn't have uh, assurance about speaking up in parliament and so on and so forth. So um, we did a lot of work with women and also gender-based violence. Mm -hmm. And and then uh, subsequently I started working with a radio project. Wow. That uh, is kind of interesting. It's in all three countries and local staff write soap operas and embedded in them are messages about the origins of violence between groups and the impact of it and how to prevent it. And I, I work with the writers um, on getting those messages in to the stories. But it's it's interesting because... Well, what were some of the stories? Give oh, us a well, few examples. Of let me just see if I can think... Um, there's a script. Well, for example, one of them in Rwanda that I thought was a little over the top two years ago was about uh, one of our stars, who's not a good guy, um, who is having his, oh no, sorry, the star is a good guy. 
but his father is having an affair with this other woman who is actually more interested in the son. And she gets pregnant and nobody, the father accuses the son. The son knows it's the father and nobody knows. And so everybody's in trouble. And eventually the baby's born and it has something, some maybe an extra toe or something. So that gives away whose it is. These are stories that, that in a, like they're all made up. Writer's workshop, but it was in, done in Rwanda, correct? Or Those are Rwandans writing Rwandan stories. Stories. And into the stories. So the thing is, they have to be funny, sexy, um, entertaining, and instructive. So that's why it's a complex job. That's fascinating. It really is. And then, then we weed in messages like, um, if you see somebody doing harm to somebody else and you don't step in, yes. you're part of it. Okay. That would right. be an example. Yes, yes. We'd work that into the action. Yes, and we learned that in school, too, about mm -hmm. bullying, too, and that concept. Um, folks out there listening around the Valley today, we're ta I'm talking to you in downtown Valley Street here in Abingdon, Virginia. You know, I'm on the road a good bit, but uh, I'm at 315 Valley Street and having a great conversation here with a fine writer, Aiden Thayer. And she's talking with us about her experiences around the world. So let's move back to the United States now okay. a little bit. And so how did you get into writing poetry? My mother was a poet. I started writing, you know, my first poem I remember was in fourth grade. But somehow she saw that I could write poetry and very much encouraged me to. And um, so I did write and publish some poems when I was in my 20s, 30s. And then I just raised children and worked and didn't until about... 15 years ago. And then I started well, actually wanting to write about that process, wanting to write about people I met in Rwanda Right, was what initiated. But then, then you started writing about people that you met in Lynchburg and all throughout your life. And yes. Wow. It's a fascinating the way that we come to express ourselves in story and in poetry and so on. Mm -hmm. Well, as we move along here on the show today, so you have several books out and you have one book with you. Talk a little bit about your book that you have here and how you got that book started and how it became. And then you're going to read for us some poems for us here today. I'd be glad to. Well, I think, like I said, I wasn't considering myself a poet. But when I had spent a few years working with these people I got to know in Africa, I started to feel like I wanted to write some about them, which is really hard to do, you know, to write the kind of poem that other people will hear as, uh, I don't know, socially conscious or something. So it was very, very hard to write in a way that took me out of the poem and just made it about the person there. But once I had written those poems, then I felt a responsibility to see if I could publish them. So how'd you get this published and who and what's the title of this book? It's called The Close World. Close. And that that's one of the poems, but the idea I had was that um, the world, the whole world is close to us if we let it be, mm -hmm. as with Ukraine now. Mm -hmm. 
you can shut it out, but if you don't, it's very close to you. But at the same time, the, what nourishes and sustains me is the natural world. Yes. And that's the close world. Mm -hmm. So it means both. Well, when you say the natural world, what do you mean by the natural? Woods, being in woods, yes. being near trees, being near water, being in mountains. Absolutely, yes. And Thoreau, of course, took us to Walden. And then I had recently, I did a show, you maybe haven't had an opportunity to hear, called The Untamed Woman, the wildest woman in the America, in the United States. And it's about how she saved Cumberland Island down below Jekyll Island. And so she lives truly, you know, when we speak of nature nowadays, we think if we have a park next to a subdivision. But uh, Carolyn went out there on the island and lived just, she lived in the wildness and she protected it. And I, we were sharing earlier, you know, we now have some land on the Creeper Trail and that's uh, near Trestles 5 and 6. And we want to protect that land and keep it so people can keep the wildness of it. So I hear what you're saying. So so you do a lot of hiking and a lot of... In, I do. And you do nature poems too? I do. Yeah. Sprinkled throughout. It's sort of... So the first part of the book is a lot of poems about working in Africa, about people in Africa. Second half part is about um, growing up and working through the whole process of Jim Crow and how it affects you to live mm. in a system like that. Mm -hmm. um, but throughout it all are poems about the natural world. and. So you sprinkle them in. Well, how about reading a bit of some of your poems today here on Poets and Writers, WEHC 90.7. Let's we, hear from you. And um, we just, uh, as I like to say, you'll hear some traffic in the background because I'm down here on 315 Valley Street Northeast in Abingdon, Virginia, just having a wonderful time here talking with Aidan Thayer. So I have a question. I could read a poem from Rwanda, but you can imagine it's kind of intense. So is that a good idea? Well, I think we can handle about anything you want to read here on Poets and Writers. Okay, so I'm going to read one that's called But For Her Clear Voice. Her arm ends somewhere below the elbow. The rest fell into the swamp downhill from their village one night, which would be unspeakable, but for her clear voice. It had been too dark to see faces. The man in the chair to her left, this quiet afternoon, didn't sever her arm. Eyes down, he listens while she explains he was the one who slashed her shoulder while the baby lay nearby. After prison and years of gaping dreams, he had said to her on the street, I did this, pointing to her shoulder. She had fallen to the ground again, and this time he fell too. Now their quiet voices fill a mud room, using up the air. Her husband has listened from a corner. Standing, his arm lifted, he prays a long prayer before silence rises around us. Okay. Talk a little bit about that poem, Aiden. I was, I had the 
honored to be able to meet with these three people with a Rwandan friend of mine and um, have them talk about uh, what had happened between them. And I felt that um, the, the very fact of them being together in the room, mm -hmm. talking together about that history and her new husband, because her husband had been killed, um, being there with them and having us come to bear witness to it um, is a testament to the kind of reconciliation and transcendence. So, okay, now I'm listening to the point, but who did the violence to her? Was that? Oh, I'm sorry. The man sitting in the room with her mm -hmm. had slashed another oh, part of her body. body. He and did not cut her arm off. So the other, so this is a... Uh, Precedent, so to speak. Yes, it was her their family. real story. He was one of the killers who came to kill her family. Wow. Mm. Okay. Let's continue on with a few more poems. Share some of your other poems with us today and maybe a little lighter poem. Yes, I'm going to go. But thank I'm going to go in a Thank different you so direction. much for sharing that beautiful poem. You're very welcome. I'm going to read one that's about me and my mother. Mm -hmm. um, it's called... Uh, yeah, it, it's it's uh, trees I saw one day in Virginia when I was back visiting. Trees at, you saw? Trees. Okay. Um, I saw in, at one day when I was back visiting in Virginia mm. after she died. Red buds by the road today, like fireworks. If fireworks blushed as they burst, five, six, seven explosions in a row. If explosions were quiet, the way these echo softly through the woods. If an echo was something felt in the bones of the face before it smiles. The way smiling feels when the past arrives with grace. They're only trees elevating what the magenta buds need to light up the shadows cast by woods. And the shadow cast by a moment when a mother now dead for years, was alive and drove with her daughter down a rural road past redbuds and sighed with joy, although they didn't pause. Redbuds, well, that's something we in Southwest Virginia, North Carolinas too, can associate with the beautiful redbuds. And there are a number of stories going back to Indian, legend, Indian legends about uh, redbuds. And I have to say here, 315 Valley. I just planted a couple of red bud trees in the last few days, and I hope they live, but they came through mail order, so I'm not sure I got them in the ground soon enough. I'm going to hope for you. But, but you're hoping for me. All right, let's go with another poem. We're on the road here today, and I'm pronouncing your name right, mm -hmm. Aiden Thayer. Mm -hmm. And she has a great book out here. She's reading her poems from it and telling us some interesting about some interesting experiences in her life. Um, I... I'm looking for uh, this one. It's about my five-year-old grandson. Okay. Five. And I was reading a book to him that was really a, a fun book. And then I had this reaction to it. So the poem is called Reading to Finn. Reading to Finn. To Finn, F-I-N-N. I love it. Okay. And there's an epigraph okay. from the book. On Thursday, when Imogene woke up, she found she had grown antlers. 
On every page, she faces the obstacle as though it isn't one. Caught on the chandelier, banging sideways through the door, the cook hangs donuts on every branch and birds come. Everyone's curious, except her mother, who faints and faints and has to be carried to bed. And I think as I read, Finn, this is how the world shows you motherhood. Let me tell you, but what would I say? Let me tell you it tears your heart out? No, that's a secret you try to keep while it grows back. Not innocent, not light, but oh, it grows back full. And that's to and about your grandson, mm -hmm. Finn. Mm -hmm. Well, talk a little bit about your family, Aiden Thayer, and how many grandchildren do you have? I have two. I have two daughters who live within a few miles of me and each other. And that's uh, in? In uh, Western Massachusetts. Western Massachusetts, yes, because my dad, you know, was from Franklin and Boston. Oh, yeah. Yes. So you have two daughters who, who live up there now. Mm-hmm. And, and they, so Finn, who's five, Gloria, who's two and a half, and... Um, I take care of both of them and my two children and their husbands work, some in town, some on their, on, you know, from home now that COVID has opened yes. up that way yes. of life. Um, and I'm very lucky, happy, and blessed okay. by all of them and by having them near me. And then I also have four sisters. Wow. And um, they live back down south. Or there's one with me in this right next to the other room who lives in Tennessee, Johnson City, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and one who lives in Seattle, Washington. Mm -hmm. One lives in Eastern Mass near Boston, and one lives in Western Mass in Great Barrington. Okay, it, but you started out in Lynchburg, mm -hmm. and you told how you got through your dad. Now you talked about your mom, like important, but your dad was he. Did he teach somewhere around? He, he taught at Randolph Macon Women's College. Okay. Until right. he did, well, he had a stroke yeah. and, and then died, but he, that was his job his whole life. But you went to school to the north and I you wound north. up staying there. And so you've been in Massachusetts for many years, right? Mm -hmm. So you can sort of do a contrast. You have Southern roots and then you have the Northern aspect too. So that I, I think gives you a good combination. And I've told my story many times on this show too many times about my father. My last name is McCarthy, but my mother, folks around the valley here can appreciate uh, that my mother was a Buchanan and a Honeycutt. But McCarthy is a Northern name, as you know, and he met her train station in Johnson City. Uh -huh. So that's a little bit about my story. Now, Aiden Thayer, let's talk a little bit more about your interest in poetry. You mentioned that you started writing poetry when you were a little girl, and you remember the first poem you ever wrote. I, I, I'm going to say I don't, so you won't ask me to say it. Well, you, but you do know it, right? <laughs> no, it's too, 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 too dumb. Well, now, <laughs> see, we have to disagree with you. We had Naomi Shihab Nye on this, you know, who's a fantastic poet, and I told her that I wrote a poem in the second grade and my teacher didn't like it very much. And Naomi said, well, she had the same problem, you know, but she could quote it verbatim. But I think I was maybe in the first grade, second grade. And all I remember was fly, fly, butterfly up in the sky so high. That's isn't beautiful. It, isn't it? <laughs> so now come on, share a little I bit. I can't do it. <laughs> well, anyway, but what was it about? A turkey. Oh, it's about a turkey. Mm -hmm. 
Well, it wasn't a Virginia Tech gobbler, was it? It was not, but it was near Thanksgiving. <laughs> All right, I'm not going to pin you down here too much. We're just having a wonderful time talking here with Aiden Thayer, and she's uh, by, from Lynchburg and then on up into Massachusetts. And is this your first book? I'm not it is. So this is your first book, and and you got how talk a little bit now. This is not something I get off on too much of who published and how you published it, but you have an interesting publisher. How'd you get that publisher out of California? You know, we're suspect of California. <laughs> well, um, my book was sort of book that presses that had some kind of like a you know interest in social issues or political issues, right. whatever you want yeah. to say, that would be the kind of press that might be interested. Yeah, but it says Huntington Beach or something about it. Well, um, the, the name of the press is Tebet Bach. Okay. Which is um, Welsh for teapot. Oh, my goodness. And the press, the press was part of a social justice organization that um, worked in underserved okay. communities uh, bringing poetry as so a way. So did you submit this to them? Or they I said, did. Yeah, and they said, hey, we think you have something here. And again, that's, now why did you call it the close world? Because we're all, we, we're all part of the same family. We're all on this planet together. We just don't realize. Is that right? I'm just throwing this out. It's, it, yes, that's the big idea. But I think the more specific to our times is that, you know, we are all very close to what happens in the rest of the world right? because of our computers and our radios and TVs. And so we can either block out what's happening in Ukraine right now and right. not have it close to us, right. or we can have but, it close but, to us. But it is a part of us. Mm -hmm. And as Whitman said, I'm a part of all that I have met and then some. So, wow. That's an interesting, uh, that's a good title, The Close World. I think the Buddhists talk about uh, the big mistake we make is thinking that I'm here and you're out there rather yeah. than sitting here in the same room today sharing a bit of soul here on a beautiful day in downtown Abingdon, Virginia, Valley Street, here in this old historic uh, Jacob Clark home. So, all right, I'm, I'm going to get some more of those good poems out of you. Let's get it. Let's get a couple. We're on a roll here with some of your poetry and I just, uh, that's a great book there and you brought me a copy of it, which I really appreciate. So how about some, you just pick it now. I think of Mary Oliver, of course, I shouldn't bring that up, but you said you love no, nature. No, I do too. You do? You I feel like I hear her voice right. in me, just, just comes out. She, it's not the only voice that comes through me into the world, but it's definitely one of them. Because you and I spoke a few minutes ago about Robert Frost. Absolutely. I'm going to read you a poem called Ocean Vong Says of Robert Frost. And Ocean Vong is a young Vietnamese poet who um, uh, is currently living wor and working at UMass in Western Mass. Um, and I had heard him read and he made a comment about Robert Frost. So the yes. poem is just getting to what his comment was right. and what I thought as I heard it, as somebody who'd always loved Frost. Ocean Bong says of Robert Frost, he didn't see the ghosts. He thought these words. He saw stones dribbled in lines left by farms where sheep cropped until the railroad opened the West 
and he wrote. He saw the old farms, old herders and mills. He put New England into words we bought. And we saw we had a past insofar as, but being who he was, descended from England and Scotland. He didn't see the ghosts, said the young Vietnamese poet, brought from Ho Chi Minh City as a child. And he left the ghosts he didn't see in the smoke of silence, said the young poet, left them so he could think these woods and we could make them ours with sheep walls and sentinel trees, leaving their words in the air. Winnipesaukee, Sunapee, Penacook, Pawtuckaway. Tuckaway is what he did with their fires drenched, families chased and shot. Whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village though. Until we see them, the poet slight and quiet in a chair says in his own words, they haunt. So he didn't see the ghosts. And we were talking about this earlier. So you would see this as a criticism of Frost's lack of depth, or I'm just throwing this out. What, what, what was his perspective? The Vietnamese poet didn't feel that, that Frost had lived his life and... Uh, how, how no, no, I don't. Okay. I, I think he. I think he had a great deal of respect for Frost. Excellent. But um, being who he is, where he came from, into our country, mm -hmm. he would have a lot of perspective about what basically, you know, white people from the beginning of our country mm -hmm. didn't see about who other people were, as they moved in on them or used them for labor in various ways. So um, I think it wasn't like a global criticism of Frost. And it's the idea, well, but we grew up in different neighborhoods to use a colloquialism. And so when we ask people to understand, understanding us or understanding their perspective based on our experiences, it gets difficult to me to, to see and we have to reach out. And of course, as Mark Twain said, travel, it's impossible to be prejudiced and to travel. But if we live in our own place, that's who we are and that's all we see. So I can definitely, it's, we've talked about this earlier folks on poets and writers. And again, I ask you to send me poems. You know, we write poems every day. So send me a few lines to McCarthy Henry at yahoo.com because we want to get you on and we want to hear your perspective, but we're having an excellent conversation here today with the fine poet. And so, yes, Robert Frost and his perspective, um, his would do different. Actually, and some folks don't know that Robert Frost was named for Robert E. Lee. I find that a little amusing. Yeah. And right. he started out in San Francisco. His dad was a newspaper reporter. But yes, having compassion, having empathy, for others, I think is uh, wow. It's a it's a it's a work. And it's a work seeing in what your eyes haven't seen. Yes. When then, when you do see it, like I felt a kind of a cringe mm -hmm. when he said it because I hadn't thought about it. But those woods aren't ours. No. <laughs> right. Yes. If you can find any that are left in this country now or in this world, I guess yeah. some of them. You, you're taking care of. Trying to do my best out there on the creeper trail, and I won't get on a 
harangue today, but you know, I've been all over the world and I'll tell you this, I've been in a lot of different countries. I love Mexico, spent time in China, but when I get to the Charlotte airport and I see that green down there, you know, I just almost want to kiss it. But then you, you find all the subdivisions that are coming about and so on. And of course, and, and we're dealing in a people explosion too, in terms of population. You go back to my era and the population bomb by Ehrlichman, I think it was. So anyway, that's a whole nother story, but thank you for mentioning the land that we're trying to preserve on the Creek Trail. And think that's a very, your writing is very, very beautiful. And, uh, you know, I'm still probing you a little bit for one more. Let's end with another nature poem because I, if, if I'm putting now if I'm putting you on the spot, just... Not at all. Yeah. I mean, those are some of my very yeah. favorites. Um, but I have to, because I hadn't thought of one. Um, uh, just give me a moment. Are we going oh, oh, how about... Um, short poem. A short one. Okay. okay. Uh, let's got a, we're just going through here and you're, you're doing the same thing I do with my book. You're trying to find it. And as you try to find it, we're going to have to shorten it to a few lines because a uh, great producer here, Ivy Shepard's watching the clock. Okay. So okay. just, okay. just summarize one that you thought of. Right uh, here that comes well, mm, the one I thought of was, um, about the way the trees lose their leaves in the autumn in New England mm. and how as a southerner who lives up there in the cold I have to pull myself inside and prepare yes to hibernate to like you know be very um inward in the world and how winter is an inward time of life right and down south here and though you talk to folks and they'll say they moved down south so they could get some warm weather but exactly there's something to be said for cold weather too and certainly it has helped produce some of your great poems so thank you aiden thayer for being on the show today and it's been a pleasure having you and this and we want to make a final comment i just want to say thank you and it's been a pleasure for me I'm very grateful for the All right, thank you so much. And this is Henry McCarthy saying, do not wait up for me. Do not be afraid to stay or steal away. I'm going out to write a poem and watch the children play. Thanks for listening.